0: Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News
1: app. Another great one. You guys are on fire back there, I'm telling you. The moon is right. The spirit's
0: up. We're here tonight. have. A wonderful Christmas time. Simply having a wonderful
1: Christmas time. Alright, welcome back, everybody. The party's this is the Mike Broomhead Show. I'm Barry Markson filling in. Here. It's Christmas season. Hope you're enjoying the. I'm sure. I hope you're enjoying this time. I mean, I know it's hectic. Everybody's heading to the stores. It's a tough. Uh, t- it can be. It can be stressful. But take a second, and relax, and enjoy it. It is a good time of year. It's a really fun time of year. Hope everybody's having a wonderful Christmas season. And of course, we're right in the middle of Hanukkah as well. Hey, joining me right now is Christine Jones. Uh, you know Christine. She's a conservative Republican here in Arizona. She ran for governor as a Republican and also ran against Andy Biggs uh, before he uh, before he went to Congress. Uh, ran against Andy Biggs uh, in that congressional race uh, in the primary and Christine welcome back to KTAR Good morning. Thanks for having me. Good morning. So I want to ask you to join us today uh, because uh, Abe Hommade, our who was the Republican running for attorney general, he filed a lawsuit uh, in his election case, and that was a very close race. He, he lost. Uh, Chris Mays, the Democrat, won by 511 votes. And Abe Homiday filed suit, but his suit is significantly different than what we saw from uh, the joke of a suit from Mark Fincham and Varelli and, and even the Carrie Lake suit, which is she's in court right now trying to trying to prove a conspiracy theory, which I always think. Is fascinating, but um, th- this the Abe Homiday suit is really about did we count all the right ballots? Did we count the provisional ballots that should have been counted? Did, were all the signature verifications right? And it, it brought to mind your primary against Andy Biggs, which was also an incredibly close race, right? <laughs>
0: Yeah, nine votes uh, decided that race, actually, in the end.
1: Nine votes. And so you you brought suit uh, in that. And, and I wanted to ask you, did, was it the same sort of thing? Were you asking the court uh, to for, to review provisional ballots and others that were not counted for different reasons and to see if they should be counted?
0: Yeah, so here's a t- an, an important distinction between my suit and the Abe Hamidate suit and actually the Kerry Lake suit. My suit was not an election challenge, and Abe Hamide has brought a formal election challenge. That is asking the court to actually change the outcome of the election. What we were doing, because we were in the primary, and you have a very short amount of time between the primary and the time they have to print ballots for the general, was to say, we would like the court to order the recorder to count all of the ballots. Now, as it turns out, very similar claims, right? So in the Hamaday case, you have some provisional and early ballots in Claim 1. You've got some exclusion of provisional ballots in Claim 2, duplicate ballots in count 3. I think count 4 is the improper adjudication. Right. So very similar claims, very similar asks of the court, but what he's doing is after the recount is announced, I think tomorrow, once we know that final number, Hey, Your Honor, please, for the people who were disenfranchised, re-enfranchise them. And if their votes weren't counted and they should have been, change the outcome.
1: Now, what what you're saying, How many? when he's talking about disenfranchised voters, it's people who cast an actual ballot and that ballot wasn't counted for some reason. It could be because they registered too late or maybe it's a mistake and it should have been counted. But uh, it's different than because uh, a lot of times people are using disenfranchised now as people who got there, saw a long line and left. Those people don't get to vote. Right.
0: That's right. And I think that's kind of what the Kerry Lake lawsuit is talking about, what Homiday is talking about. And I think he's got very legitimate claims here. Yeah. I wish the judge would not have dismissed that count five, which is the signature claim, because. That we also lost that in my election, and we actually put people on the stand who said, "Yes, that is my ballot. Yes, that is my signature. Please count my vote," and they didn't get counted. That's what? disenfranchisement at the at the worst level, right? So, what, what, what was the court, this Judge you, wouldn't have dismissed that claim.
1: I'm curious because I noticed that in Humbley Sue too. What was the court's reasoning for not counting votes when you brought in a witness to say, "Yes, that's my vote. That's my ballot and my signature"? Well,
0: it's interesting because statutorily, and you and I could geek out on this as lawyers, but not to make it too in the weeds, the judge said here's the law, and bound by the law, the law says if your signature doesn't count, your vote doesn't count, or if your signature doesn't match, your okay. vote doesn't count. Now, that law has changed, right. and Maricopa County has fixed that since my lawsuit, and the opinion from my lawsuit <laughs> did change that law. So, Hominay should be able to bring these people in and put them on the stand. One tricky thing I think people haven't focused on, and an evidentiary hearing, which is what Hominay is going to have on Friday, it's different than a trial. The judge is going to say, show me some evidence, right, that there were problems. Right. It's different what you know than what you can prove, and you cannot put on enough witnesses. You know, you've been in trial. You can't put on enough witnesses in a few hours to... To make up a 500-vote difference, how many witnesses can you put on in a day? If you're really hustling, can you put on 25 witnesses? I mean, maybe 50 if you put each one of them on for a few minutes. I mean, it's an impossible task.
1: Christine Jones is joining us. She's a Republican and and, uh, had an incredibly close race uh, for Congress against Andy Biggs years ago uh, that resulted in a lawsuit. It's interesting you say that, Christine, because I've been monitoring the the Carrie Lake lawsuit. And one of the things the judge did right at the beginning was, and it's a hearsay thing, but he admitted uh, the affidavits that Carrie Lake submitted from a couple hundred people, uh, not requiring her to call all of them as witnesses, because obviously that's impossible in a, in a two-day trial. So uh, I don't know if, if the judge in the Hameday case will will allow some of that or not. We'll see. Um, but um, it, it's, a, it's a very daunting task he has here. He has to establish that the county did not count ballots that they should have counted. Um, it's almost a one going over them one at a time. And really, he's not going to have time to do that.
0: Yeah. And, and let me just put one fine point on this. It's important for listeners. In my suit, we put 18 witnesses on who had been um, cast a vote at the wrong precinct. Right. So these right. would basically be their are counting provi- provisional ballots. The judge counted all 18 of those people that we put on. But that was it because he only heard, to your point, from 18 voters. He didn't get to review. He didn't. And he did not admit the hearsay evidence all of the people who maybe have been in that similar situation. In my particular case, it were 728 votes, uh, of ballots. 728 obviously would have changed the outcome of my election. Here, uh, however many they put on, they'll probably count. But it's important for Homiday to remember, when we got to the end of those 18, nine went to Biggs, five went to me, yeah. and one went to Don Stapley. So be careful what you ask for, because actually, Chris Mays may end up picking up a few extra that's, votes here.
1: That's exactly right. Just because votes aren't counted doesn't mean they're, they're, they were counted, uh, they were votes for you. Um, and I will point out, that's Christine right. Jones is with us here on KTR. I will point out, uh, as you mentioned, Maricopa County changed that law as far as the, if the signatures don't match, we can't count the vote. And now the law allows them to match, try to match a signature with other signed things the person has, that the county has other signatures on file, in essence. And it allows them to try to find other, it allows them to try to fix the signature match as well to call you and ask you is this your signature Uh, they do that to try to make real votes count right they want people's vote to count uh, not to be stricken because of a technicality of some sort
0: yeah and they're so they're matching to driver's licenses right. and other other things where the, the you know the county or the state may have a signature on, on file they also hired a lot more people to do these reviews and right. they have some signature experts now who look at the appeals i have heard a little conspiracy theory of why is the county calling people and why are people showing up at my door to you know to check my signature and oh that was a democratic operative and oh that seems scandalous it's not that was done to try to help the people whose right. signatures when they were eighteen don't match their signature now that they're sixty five. Okay, this is a good development, not a bad
1: one. Right, and it's, it's going to help Republicans and Democrats. It's helping all of us. It's helping citizens of Maricopa County and the state. That's the idea. Christine, thanks for taking yeah, a few minutes. I, I was thinking about you in your in your case. Uh, I, you, nine votes. Um, uh, imagine how things would be different here in Arizona if you were a congressman, uh, a congresswoman instead of Andy Biggs. That would have been incredible. I,
0: I think about it every single day. Yeah,
1: I think a lot of us do. Uh, th- <laughs> thanks for being here. Christine <laughs> Jones, you, everybody. All right. Uh, thanks for uh, doing that. Je- uh, uh, Jeff Munn standing by. We're going to get an update from him uh, on what's going on around the state and around the country. And then on the other side, a new study out. And it gives you kind of a secret. You've heard about I don't want to get a whole covid thing, but you've heard about covid causes. Uh, some people get long covid. We have somebody here right here in the office that has that. Some people have have died from covid. Well, there's one thing uh, this study says that if you do this. Uh, you're going to really lower your risk of dying and of having long COVID should you get it. We'll tell you what it is next. I'm Barry Markson. It's KTAR. Strong values and strong opinions. The
0: Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Here comes Santa Claus. Here comes Santa Claus. Right down Santa Claus Lane. Big Santa, big Santa, no, there's a
1: reindeer. Pull it on. All right, welcome back, everybody. I'm Barry Markson. Thanks for joining us. This is KTAR. We're uh, monitoring so much going on right now. Uh, The Cary Lake lawsuit is uh, in mid-suit. It's in trial, and uh, we're monitoring it for you. Uh, I will uh, tell you, Stephen Risher testified uh, today. Uh, Poor Stephen. He's on the first vacation. He's been allowed to go on and... and, uh, in, in years, and he had to testify in this thing, come back for it. And uh, I, I will tell you, it, it's interesting just to see uh, the debunking of conspiracy theories under oath uh, in a court of law. Uh, they The the, in, the questions they asked Stephen Risher, uh, some were actually related uh, to the, the chain of custody count that remains, count four. Um Which I think he addressed and really uh, alleviated entirely. Uh, But then some of the other questions are uh, dealing with things like, did you uh, did you, in fact, uh, create a fund uh, and uh, against Carrie Lake and speak out against her in the election? And his answer under oath was no. And you know why? Because he didn't do that. And I know you're reading about that, and it's a big. It's one of these big conspiracy theories, but it's not true. And that's why this is such a great thing. It's, it's. Uh, you don't see this very often, where literally we have uh, conspiracy theories being put to the test at trial and and in a court of law, where people are are testifying under oath. Uh, it isn't just it isn't just writing something on Twitter or saying something on in a public square. You have to say it under oath, and things change when that happens. Uh, it, it kind of uh, turn, it, it tends to debunk things. You don't see this very often. Usually, the conspiracy theories go away once. You debunk them. Uh, they move on to the next one here. Uh, they're going to be front and center. Uh, that's what Carrie Lake's lawsuit is. It's literally two conspiracy theories that she needs to prove, along with all of the little surrounding uh, conspiracies that are part of this. Uh, and I- I'm curious to see if she can do it. Uh, so far, it doesn't seem to be going that well for her, but we'll find out. Thanks for Christine Jones uh, for being here as well. And I-, I saw this, and I thought it was interesting. There are people around us who are who got COVID and, and unfortunately passed away. We've, we've lost people from COVID. And others, and I'm, I'm meeting more and more people now who are saying they got COVID and they have still have the symptoms months later. Uh, uh, still feeling stuck, still uh, still feeling run down um, somebody in a friend of mine 's office uh, had covid i think it was two or three months ago and is uh, finally came back to the office but is uh, is so tired and so uh, worn out and so and still sick it 's incredible not not positive anymore, but the symptoms don 't go away and we're seeing that more and more and This study just came out and it says regular exercise. Uh, protects against uh, dying from COVID and also from long COVID. And it's pretty simple. If you work out at least 30 minutes most days, um, you are four times more likely to survive COVID uh, than inactive people. Uh, and also t- your, your risk of getting long COVID uh, goes down by that as well. It's really kind of an amazing, an amazing statistic. Now, we've, we've known that uh, generally, right? Exercise is good for you. Uh, but to say that if you do 30 minutes of a, of a treadmill or a bike or lifting or whatever it is you do, 30 minutes of exercise a day, uh, that that's enough to keep you from, uh, to, to re- greatly reduce your risk of dying from COVID or to have these long-term symptoms. Because let's face it, we're going to get COVID. I mean, I've had it. Everybody at this point, most people have had COVID, or unless you're just living in a box. And if you haven't had it, you're probably going to get it. Uh, you may not even realize it because these days we're not getting tested all the time. You just get sick, right? And you go home. But uh, it's kind of an interesting thing. It it, it's, it it makes you want to go out and exercise a little bit. At least for me, I've been I've been a little sedentary lately, and it's, it makes me think I should get out and go exercise. I, I exercise a couple days a week, but I, I do think I need to be getting into the gym and doing this more often. And uh, you know, it's it's healthy for you on so many different. Levels, but kind of a straight, healthy thing here. uh, If you exercise thirty minutes a day, your your uh, chance of death goes down uh, four times less likely to die. I mean, that's a pretty major thing for COVID, uh, and also even just forget about dying. Even just the long COVID, because I'll tell you, uh, if you're someone or you know someone who has these long COVID symptoms, it's like a cold, uh, the flu that never goes away. It's not fun. Um, it's not a fun thing. And if you can do something to help that, uh, why wouldn't you? My goodness, right? Why wouldn't you? All right, coming up, uh, Jeff Munns here. We're going to get an update uh, on everything going on around the state and the country here in the KTAR News Center. And then uh, when we get back, immigration. Uh, our two senators, Cinema uh, and Kelly, both took to the Senate floor yesterday uh, and talked about uh, a bipartisan immigration reform a bill they had been working on and what the future holds uh, for immigration reform in the United States. I'll tell you what they had to say and what they've been doing next on KTAR. And strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 923 FM, and the KTAR News app. Well, it's Chris. All right, welcome back, everybody. It's the Mike Broomhead Show. Thanks for being with us on KTAR. I'm Barry Markson. We are monitoring the Kerry Lake lawsuit. The trial is ongoing as we speak, uh, and we are monitoring during during the program. Uh, S- uh, Stephen Risher, uh, the county recorder, testified Kerry uh, Lake did, absolutely did not get out of Risher what she wanted. Uh, there was a little bit of testimony about the chain of custody stuff, but he answered truthfully, and it didn't fit in with the conspiracy theory, so I don't think they liked it. Um, they then asked Risher some of the other conspiracy theories. Uh, which is just, it's just, I love this. I, I love uh, under oath in a court of law with admissible evidence, just debunking conspiracy theories one after the other. Uh, it, it's really, it's really pretty amazing. One of the big ones with Richter was that uh, he spoke out against Kerry Lake and started an independent, independent expenditure fund against Kerry Lake. And he was asked that, "Did you do either of those things?" And he answered, "Absolutely not. Um, it's just not true." And that's the part that is just so amazing. Uh, what people think happened is not really, uh, in, in the real world, it isn't what happened. It's not, it's not factual. Uh, but in the court of law, that's all we look at is what's factual, what's truth, what can be proven. That's what we look at. So uh, kind of interesting uh, to see that. Another one going on right now, Scott Jarrett testifying. He's the Maricopa County election director. He handled uh, election day. And uh, they were talking about the, the wait times. They're trying to say that people didn't vote because the, ele- the wait times were so long. And Jarrett testified that wait times did not get up over two hours, uh, despite what people think. I mean, I've seen stuff online uh, on Twitter that it's, you know, four or five hours, five hours, six hours, and, and none of that is true. <laughs> it's just not true. Uh, so it's, it's interesting. It's uh, frankly fascinating to actually see truth come out uh, in response to these conspiracy theories that are uh, now they're trying to prove conspiracy theories in a court of law. That's Kerry Lake's lawsuit. So we'll see where that goes. You can follow me uh, on Twitter, by the way, at Barry and one where I follow a lot of this and post about it uh, and respond to people at Barry Marks and one but it's really what I put up as factual evidence, it's not opinion, it's just tell you what's happening and, and we'll talk about that on Twitter at Barry Marks and One. I did want to mention uh, our immigration uh, crisis continues uh, at the border and here in Arizona. Both of our senators spoke on the Senate floor yesterday, Kirsten Sinema and Mark Kelly, uh, and both talked about uh, Sinema, especially the work they had been doing in a a bipartisan fashion with the Republicans uh, to come to some sort of a uh, immigration reform agreement. Uh, And uh, they were close. Uh, I think an agreement was basically in place uh, that would have done many things uh, to enhance border security uh, and provide more border patrol agents and other security measures there um, and at the same time uh, provide an avenue for the dreamers for young people brought here as children uh, to the united states who have never really known any other country but the united states uh, provide an avenue for them to get to citizenship over the course of 10 years so a long pathway uh, to get there not passing anybody up in line not, not jumping in front of anyone asking for immigration uh, uh, asking for citizenship under our normal process. Um, but they had worked out a compromise where, you know, Democrats got some things they wanted, Republicans got some things they wanted. That's how this works. Uh, it wouldn't solve all of the immigration problems, but it would certainly solve some of them. Unfortunately, uh, it appears they ran out of time in this Congress. Uh, there's other things that must be passed, including the omnibus bill uh, that is going to take care of the budget for next year and spending for next year. Uh, so it appears they're not going to get it done this year. They were, they were talking to a lot of senators uh, and apparently were building support. They have to get 60 senators to approve it. So have to be enough from both sides to make that happen. Um, And she was, Kirsten Sinema was working with Tom Tillis and other Republican senators. Uh, there was an agreement in place that they were working with other senators trying to sell this to others. Um, she says they're going to do it again. That they'll come back after the new year and they will continue to try to do this. Mark Kelly said the same thing. Uh, these issues are too important. They're too, too big of an effect on Arizona and they have to be addressed. Uh, and both of them have come out in the past and said uh, you know, President Biden and his administration not doing enough or not in many ways not doing anything about what's happening at our border right now. It is, it, it's frankly baffling to me um the the administration's stance i I keep sitting here thinking at some point they're coming up with a plan and they'll they'll unleash it on us but they haven't even done that so uh that's the latest i'm I'm hopeful that our arizona senators uh, will take the lead uh and work together that's the only way this works it's never going to be an all democratic thing or an all republican thing uh, but if, if if politicians work from both sides, if they work together and compromise and some give and take, uh, there can be some laws that are passed that will be helpful. And I, and I hope they, they find a way to do that and continue that work next year. So we'll see if that works. It's going to be a little more difficult with a Republican-led House of Representatives, uh, but but you never know. Uh, maybe something that makes sense. is It makes too much sense. People will, will go for it. Um, I also want to mention uh, Title 42 is still in the news. It was supposed to be uh, uh, Well, expired today. It was supposed to happen at midnight today. Uh, It didn't happen because Arizona, uh, Mark Burnovich, along with 19 or 18 other states, uh, filed a brief with the Supreme Court asking for a stay uh, of that expiration of Title 42. And, you know, uh, Title 42 uh, was the executive action that Trump put in place uh, back when the pandemic was here with COVID. uh, That was it was really a public health measure. It was to keep uh, immigrants from coming into the United States who may have COVID. We didn't want to increase the number of people uh, who could potentially transmit COVID here in in the United States. So... That's been in place since then, even though the COVID emergency has passed. Uh, what it has done on a practical level is keep about 2.5 million people seeking amnesty in the United States from being in the country while they wait await the decision of their amnesty application. Uh, with the expiration, the, ex- the expectation is we were going to start to see 18,000 people at our borders every single day, uh, which would overwhelm the border. Uh, the Biden administration said they've beefed up the border, they're, they're prepared for it. I find that hard to believe, uh, but that's what they said. Uh, anyway, the Republican states filed that that State Chief Justice Roberts actually gave them a temporary stay and asked the uh, the Administration to file its response. Uh, it did yesterday. Uh, the states are filing a reply to that today, and I expect the Supreme Court will do something here uh, in the next uh, in the next few days uh, on Title 42. It'll either make this injunction uh, a little; it'll, it may be still be temporary, but it'll be more permanent, and that it'll go on for longer a longer period of time, or uh, they'll lift the stay and allow Title 42 to expire. The Biden administration, either way, has said they won't do anything for a week, uh, basically saying, "Hey, let's get through Christmas." Uh, so nothing's. Going to change at least sometime into next week, so we'll continue to monitor that for you here on KTR as well. And good to see both Arizona senators uh, trying to do something uh, to make this work out better uh, for Arizona and for the country. So that's uh, that's a good thing. Uh, coming up in just a minute, and we'll talk about this. Uh, I just saw a new study, and it was you see these all the time. What are the what are the cities? This one is which is uh, which cities in the United States uh, are the people the happiest? Which cities in the United States are the people? the happiest. Uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit uh, when we get back. And I'll tell you, there's a couple of Arizona cities on this list. We made the top 30, uh, but you'll be surprised, I think, which state has most of the cities uh, where people report uh, they, ha- they feel happy, that they're the happiest. We'll have that for you. And we'll continue to monitor uh, what's going on in this Terry Lake uh, election trial. Uh, it's happening as we speak, uh, and I'll have an update for you on that uh, when we return as well. So stay with us. It's the Mike Broomhead Show. I'm Barry Markson. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 923 FM, and the KTAR News app. Alright, welcome back, everybody. Thanks for being here with us on KTAR this holiday season. Hope you're enjoying uh, the Christmas time. And we're just a few days away from Christmas. It's gonna be great. I've already got my movie tickets. I've already got the Chinese food ordered. We're ready to go. <laughs> Happy Hanukkah to everybody as well. Hey, uh, quick update on the Cary Lake election lawsuit. We are monitoring that here at KTAR. Stay tuned all day as this two-day trial goes on. Uh, we'll give you updates as they come in. Uh, here's where we stand right now. Uh, Stephen Risher, the county recorder, and Scott Jarrett, the county election director, have both testified. Uh, and I will tell you, and I'm, I'm not watching every minute of it because I'm here talking to you, uh, but from what I'm seeing, uh, they, the, the lake people did not get what they needed from them. They, they basically uh, kept asking questions are putting forth the Kerry uh, Lake conspiracy theories about what happened and uh, Stephen Risher and Scott Jarrett just kept knocking them down with actual facts and data and knowledge. Um, these, both of these guys uh, know what they're doing. I mean, if you've spoken with Stephen Risher, if you've heard us interview him in on, on KTR, he knows this stuff cold. He knows it better than anybody. Uh, it's really impressive and I don't know Scott Jarrett, I haven't interviewed him, but my impression from this is he knows his stuff there as well. So, what you have are two professionals who do this for a living being asked questions about conspiracy theories. Uh, and then they are factually with data responding about no. And here's why no. And here's why. And they just keep doing that. Uh, it's, it was very, uh, effective I think. Um, but regardless, uh, because Carrie Lake has to prove that the County intentionally sabotaged her election. And by the way, just her election because other Republicans won up and down the ballot, uh, because she has to prove that, um, that she has to prove intentionality. She has to prove the county intentionally did these things and that that then changed the outcome of the election. She needs... Uh, she needs people like, uh, Steven Richter and Scott Jarrett to admit to things. Uh, that she needs them to step up and say, oh, yeah, that conspiracy theory is true. We did color in the different ballots for you when people voted for, for you and we changed it to Katie Hobbs. I mean, that's basically what she's asking for. And they're not saying that because it's not true. So it's really, uh, it's really interesting to watch it and to see it. Uh, we'll continue to bring you up to date here on KTAR. They're on a little break now. Uh, and, uh, there's, there's a couple of days of this. I mean, each side gets, it could be shorter. Each side gets, uh, uh, five and a half hours total time, in essence, talk time. So that includes opening and closing, uh, opening statements, closing arguments. Uh, it includes all of the direct examination of witnesses, which is what Carrie Lake's doing now, and it also includes your cross examination of witnesses. So, for example, the defendants are using some of their time now by cross examining uh, Richer and, and Jarrett. Uh, that time is coming off of off of their side as well. Uh, we will see. The judge has taken under advisement a couple of motions that would uh, bar plaintiffs' expert witnesses. Um, and some other motions. so we 'll see where that ends up right now. The judge is basically saying, "Let me hear everything and then I will decide how much weight to give it because the judge here is the trier of fact there 's no jury, uh, so this judge makes a decision, so he 's able to he 's able to make decisions later, see what the, what the evidence is as it comes in, and then decide whether or not to uh, give it any weight or to or to uh, call it inadmissible based on uh, other rulings um, so we 'll see where this plays out, but I would say right now, just based on the first hour or a couple couple of hours of trial, uh, not going Well, for Carrie Lake, (laughs) let's let's just call it that. Um, All right. So a new study came out. I I always love these things. Uh, Where uh, where are people the happiest? Which cities, which cities in in America uh, have the happiest people? And I will tell you uh, that. And this was where I was most surprised. The majority of the cities in this uh, on this study are in California. Uh, people in California. And I know that's going to surprise a lot of you, right? Because everyone's like, you know, don't Arizona my or don't California my Arizona, and all these kind of things. Uh, but it's um, it's there's really no questions uh, that uh, California is uh, is doing well in this thing uh, in, in this list of of the happiest cities. Uh, there's a uh, 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 there are most of them are in california when you look at this list uh when you go down the list there's, uh, there's also a couple of the top 10 that are in texas arizona comes in uh, with only a couple of our cities but uh, tempe arizona is at 39 uh, on this list and when you get down to some into the into the 20s there's a couple of other arizona cities chandler's at 33 uh by the way and then it it, it, it There's definitely a few there, but I will just let you know that uh, for the most part, it's cities in and around California, towns in and around California, uh, San Jose, California. Um, it's, It's definitely interesting now. On one other list that I looked at of happiest cities, Scottsdale, Arizona, uh, number nine. And that's, uh, you know, because, you know, well, because, you know, I'm there. It's nice. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Scottsdale's very nice. But Arizona's on the list as well. But uh, I was surprised by that because California, you would think even people who like living in California, even the nice weather, all of those things, when you start dealing with the taxes, you start dealing with the politics, you start dealing with uh, just a divided area there, I was a little surprised by that. But places like Huntington Beach, uh, Fremont, California, uh, they make the top ten, Irvine, California. Uh, these are places that make the top 10. And it's, uh, it, there was a whole bunch of them up and down California where people are just apparently very happy. And they, they looked at all sorts of things to decide how, how to figure out happiness. Uh, but that's, uh, that's where it played in. Arizona always has places on those lists, though, as well, right? Especially this time of year when it's not hot. Uh, we're much happier when it's not hot. Are you happier when it's not hot? Yes, everybody's nodding along. It's uh, <laughs> The only problem is if we had weather, maybe a little warmer than this, but if we were in the 70s or 80s all the time, if we didn't have that heat... Uh, there'd be twice as many people living here. We wouldn't be able to move, right? That's the, that's the only thing that keeps us uh, from getting super huge is that in the summer, it just gets hot. It gets stinking hot. And people, just some people don't want to deal with that. But uh, we are growing fast in Arizona uh, and certainly around the Valley of the Sun. A lot of that attributable to our growing businesses, uh, to good jobs and, uh, and good weather and just being a, overall a good place to live. It's, uh, it's actually really nice to see that uh, and to see where, uh, where Arizona stands on some of the lists as well we're not california uh we're better and it works out well coming up we're going to talk about our phoenix suns huge news uh, for the suns this uh this week uh, that just came out uh in that we have a new owner uh, and uh, before we talk about him, I, I do just want to just very briefly talk about Robert Sarver. Um, he's selling his interest in the team. He will no longer be associated with the Suns at all. Um, he's been the managing partner and the owner of the team since 2004, uh, and pretty amazing if you think about it. He spent a, his his group spent just over 400 million dollars to purchase the team then, which at the time, if it wasn't a record, it was close. It was an, just an exorbitant price, uh, I thought at the time. And yet um, here we are, just 18 years later, and the team being sold at a Valuation of $4.1 billion. I mean, literally a 10 times, uh, increase in the value of this team. So, uh, feel bad or not feel bad for Robert Sarver, whatever your inclination, uh, but the guy is not going to go away poor. Um, his investment in this team, I, I think he bought somewhere in the neighborhood of 35 to 40% of the team. Um, so his investment in the team of, of under $200 million, 150 to, you know, $175 million total, uh, is going to turn into a value of in the sale of the next, well, well, in excess of a billion dollars. I mean, it just... (laughs) <laughs> just just stratus it's amazing to think about something like that so uh, he's a wealthy man anyway but this is uh, he's going he's going to be okay uh, he, i'm sure he's i'm sure he's not happy about it i know he wanted to, he liked owning the suns i know he wanted to keep it uh, this is a pretty major major punishment for him but uh, i'm guessing he can soften the blow a bit with all with all of that money so uh, stay with us well, on the other side we're going to talk to you about uh, the new owner of the suns where he comes from his attitude some of his statements he's made about his management style and how that may affect the team we'll have that for you right after the news. Jeff Munn is here, and we're going to listen to his update uh, at 11. And then right after that, an update on the Suns. Who's the new owner, and what does it mean for this year's team and next year's team? How long will it take for him to take over? That's next. I'm Barry Markson. It's KTAR.